0: Judge me accordingly. There is no song in sports that fires me up more than that little Minnesota Twins Rouser. It is time to talk some baseball. Dave Cook, have you watched it yet?
1: I have watched a little bit of, well, wait a minute. Nothing fires you up more than the Rouser? In sports? For the Twins? Wow. Yes. Twins Rouser. Not right. Gophers. Put it out of your head right now. <laughs> very, very I know good, when you're here,
0: but... Rouser, you're going Sky U-ma M-I-N-N-E-S-O-T-A. Sky this give me the Twins.
1: All right. So, um, yeah, we've had a chance to watch a little bit here and there. We saw Ober the other day pitch... Uh, Pitch actually a really really solid inning, and we saw Corral talking to second-base umpires and getting base hits and jumping back in the box and all that stuff.
0: It has been fun to see on TV. It's been fun to read about on Twitter. It's got to be great to see live. Fun to read on on
1: Twins Daily. And we
0: talked a little bit about do-overs in the first segment today. If we could change outcomes of games, we can't do that. But Dave Cook, we got a do-over. Remember last weekend, we wanted to talk to Nick Nelson, but he was literally in transit and the sound quality was less than good. Yep. We, get a, to we get a do-over with him today. Nick Nelson of Twins Daily, good morning. How are things in sunny Florida?
2: It's great. I'm in uh, Northport here. to the uh, hour-long drive up from Fort Myers. Going to catch the uh, Twins and Braves game here at Cool Today Park, the uh, the Braves Spring Training Stadium. It's uh, my first time here. It's brand new. It's a pretty nice little yard.
0: That is awesome to hear. Now, i got to ask you this. It is Nick Nelson of Twins Daily. Now, is this... A spring breakish type trip. This is a fun vacation that you planned, or is this one of those great things about being part of Twins Daily? Are you on assignment doing spring training work right now?
2: Uh, a little bit of both. You know, it's it's hard to call it a vacation completely because it's you know I'm getting up and going down to the stadium and uh, and doing the press thing every day, so um, it's a little bit of a grind. But it's hard to complain. You know, it's beautiful weather and baseball, and spring uh, spring training. Everyone's in a pretty pretty good laid back mood, so uh, so it's it's not it's not as stressful I think as covering regular season games.
0: Well, and I would think most of us coming down from the snow globe that has been Minnesota this winter, if you get down to Florida for spring training, you are in a very good mood. Nick Nelson, I'm going to start with a home run question and then make it easier as we go. The last segment we had, we play a game of buy or sell. And the last question or statement that I posed was buy or sell that you feel that the Minnesota Twins should be the favorite in the American League Central. We had one hardcore sell, one hardcore buy and me kind of being the fence rider as I usually am. What do you think on that statement?
2: I'm buying, uh, and it's not necessarily because I'm super high on the Twins, although I think that they have a pretty good team this year and are are well-equipped with their depth to sort of navigate some of the the things that are bound to come up injury-wise. But really it's more that I'm just not impressed by the rest of the division. Uh, The Twins had an extremely active offseason, and no one else really did much of anything. You know, the defending champion Guardians went and got Josh Bell, which – was a nice signing, but uh, they didn't really do anything else, uh, and they weren't great last year. You know, they managed to win in a division where the Twins kind of uh, got hit by catastrophic injuries and, and couldn't hang, um, and the White Sox really didn't do very much either. So I think, I think the Twins should be looked at as favorites just because they did so much more in the offseason to, to improve upon their team, and I think they would have won the division last year if not for, like I said, just a catastrophic level of injuries.
0: I certainly can respect that and agree with it. For the record, one of our hardcore sells was just because. He said, well, this is Minnesota sports. I know better than to get excited about anything. (laughs) But excited doesn't always mean good. You know on Twitter especially that Minnesota fans get excited both in positive and negative at the mere drop of a hat. How about the drop of a Grand Slam? Emilio Pagan wasn't good last year. He's still here and he got torched in an outing yesterday. And the reactions, as we expected, came down. Can Emilio Pagan write his own ship or are we just going through the motions before he's gone? Uh, The
2: Twins seem to believe so. I mean, the stuff is legit. If you believe the reports during the offseason, they actually got a fair amount of trade interest. I do know that if you look at, you know, some of the the stuff metrics, some of these these measurements that are kind of really looking at how the balls move, the spin, um, you know, how they differentiate from each other and how they're difficult to hit, he rates really well in those, which, you know, he has a good splitter and he has a really hard fastball. It's just been an execution thing for him, and it was again yesterday. There's just too many pitches left out over the middle of the plate. Uh, obviously, that's something the Twins are working on. He pitched pretty well down the stretch last year, not that anyone really cared at that point. Uh, so he's going to look to build on that. I, I wouldn't make much out of a, a spring, a clunky spring outing, but it's not the most auspicious um, thing to happen. And I think, you know, if he blows a few leads early in the season, it's it's going to be rough. I mean, the reaction is not going to be good, and the Twins have sort of brought that upon themselves.
1: So, Nick, the other – we talked a little bit about the injury bug from last year, and it's already sort of nipping at our heels with Jose Miranda – and I'm wondering, um, this injury, with a little bit of depth that the Twins have, the twins have developed over the, over the offseason, where does this injury fall in concern for you?
2: Uh, it's not super concerning because um, he still is able to swing the bat without any issue. You know, we asked him uh, up in uh, Tampa the other day uh, after he went one for three, had a nice RBI single. He said it doesn't affect him at all when he's swinging. Uh, and also, you know, we asked Rocco about it, and he said this kind of thing happens pretty often, almost every year. There's two or three guys that sort of have, I think, camp shoulder, they call it, you know, nothing nothing structural um, to their beliefs. So they're hoping that after a couple of weeks it'll kind of work itself out and he will be good to go. Um, it really underscores the value of going and picking up a guy like Kyle Farmer, who is going to be an outstanding defensive third baseman when he's over there. Um, Donovan Solano, another guy they picked up who can play third base. So they do have some options there, but obviously, you know, having Miranda's bat at third base and being able to put someone else at DH or first is is very valuable. So um, we'll see if this clears up. They've got a little time before opening day, um, but it'll definitely be worth keeping a close eye on.
0: You talked about options. The twins have several, and that made it difficult for me to try to, you know, cement a starting lineup for opening day. We were talking about this last week when we didn't get you, we kind of went off on our own doing preview type material. They've got a lot of the same guys, albeit, you know, quality guys. This was obviously an attempt to have more depth than last year because of being ravaged by injury last year. But, you know, the Kyle Farmers, the Solanos, there's a lot of similar types. Is anybody pulling ahead in terms of getting their spot on the depth chart from what you've seen?
2: No, well, I think the, the starting lineup is pretty set, and, and so is the bench, you know, barring injuries. Um, I do think that these bench guys who are pretty much all established veterans, um, who, you know, you got guys like Michael A. Taylor and Farmer who were basically full-time starters last year. Uh, That's a really nice thing to have on the bench. I think they're going to be looking to try to get those guys at bats as much as they can. That'll give them the opportunity to make sure they're getting plenty of rest for the likes of Polanco and Buxton, who still haven't played this spring. Um, Some injury concerns hanging over their head. Uh, Alex Kirilov, the big injury concern, uh, the big question mark, I would say, at camp from the offensive side. Um, So I don't think there's going to be any shortage of opportunities for these guys, but especially with Solano and Farmer, it will be interesting because they are a little redundant, it seems like, as sort of right-handed infielders that can play uh, play all four spots or well all three and in, in solano's case
0: that's fair so we're talking with nick nelson of twins daily i'm going to give you the low-hanging fruit question i know the answer to this but our listeners need to know nick nelson of twins daily means what tell everybody what twins daily is because i love going to it on the daily pun fully intended but let our listeners know <laughs> what they may be missing out on
2: yeah thanks it's uh so it's an independent site you know we're not we're not owned by any larger entities so that's we kind of take a lot of pride in that um it's a community site. We have we, we encourage sort of people to write articles and blogs and elevate to the front page. We try to make it a pipeline for young writers and content creators. So you're going to find a, a diverse array of content from a lot of different people, a lot of different perspectives. And, you know, we also try to blend in a little bit more of a, the professional side coming down here and covering games as press. So uh, you get a little bit of everything. If you like to read about the Twins, if you like to write about the Twins, I highly recommend uh, coming by and getting started. We have a lot of um, writers who are making pretty good money writing for the site because, we, we, we distribute all, all funds that are earned from ads on their articles back to them. So um, it's a cool opportunity to make a little money on a side hustle if you if you like writing about baseball.
0: Absolutely. Golden opportunity there. Dave Cook, you motioned towards me. They said young writers. I'm not eligible. Young is not something I would use to describe me or Instead you. All kinds. You know, have to be all kinds. <laughs> Fair enough. I was going to say you're, you you're,
1: are young, you're talking
0: Brian. to one guy who's 44 next. Well, I didn't even say next month because I would be wrong in a few weeks. And one guy who turned fifty-five last weekend. So the, 50, the fifty-five-year-old in the mix has a question. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, and you mentioned him earlier. I want to know um, how you've seen what you've seen of Kirillov because I think he's the key to this whole thing. If he can play first, that settles the lineup down. Without, then you're right. You've you've got the the uh, the new guys that are going to have to play.
2: Yeah, you know, honestly, I haven't seen much of him at all.
1: He's around. I've seen him in the
2: clubhouse a couple times. I know he's been taking some batting practice. I haven't personally seen him swing the bat. Um, and I don't get the sense that he's anywhere close to playing in a game. So that, that's one thing that struck me down here is I'm increasingly starting to think that if that doesn't change soon, he might be slated to uh, start late, maybe hang an extended spring. Um, you know, I don't think they want to send him to AAA. If he's healthy, he's, he, can, he can hit. I mean, he's shown that. It's just uh, he went, underwent a pretty serious wrist uh, surgery during the offseason season. Uh, kind of a last-ditch effort with with this tremendously problematic risk that he's been dealing with. So that's kind of the key question to me, and I do wonder if this late Solano signing, you know, a guy who can play first base as sort of his main position was sort of fueled by where they feel Kirloff is at and where they feel he's going to be at the start of the season.
0: All right, Nick, there's one more thing, and it's a large topic that I want to talk about because we've talked about players added. The one we didn't bring up was Joey Gallo. It sounded like a defense found a loophole in the shift rules against Joey recently here. And then to that end, all these new rules, you've seen games with pitch clocks, you've seen violations, you've seen the shift no longer. How different does baseball look? Because I've got tickets to the home opener, but I won't see it as intimately per se until then. How does it look and is it different enough for a casual to love it? And is it the same enough where purists aren't going to be mad?
2: I think everyone. I don't think anyone's going to notice it very much at all after a couple weeks. Honestly, I barely notice it. Um, You know, players are definitely moving with more intention. There's less kind of like dawdling around and all this stuff. But it's it's all the same amount of action. It's just happening faster. It seems like people are moving with more intention. They're getting the ball. They're throwing it. You know, batters are getting in the box. I'll tell you that none of the players down here, and certainly none of the coaches, seem to have a problem with it. Rocco is a big fan of the pitch clock. Um, The shift band will be interesting. I'll be interested to see the impact on guys like Kepler and Gallo, as you mentioned, um, and also kind of interested in some of the defensive implications. One thing that we talked to Carlos Correa after his debut the other day, and, you know, one thing that he said he's going to have to kind of get used to and and, and adapt to is he can't put his heels in the grass anymore. He's a guy that likes to play really deep at shortstop and take advantage of his arm uh, in order to increase his range. And, you know, one of the stipulations of this rule is you can't stand in the grass anymore. So there are some sort of subtle things like that that I think will come into play and and have an effect on, on the games.
0: I can appreciate that. I know I said I had one more topic, but as you know, <laughs> any good journalist sneaks another one in. I'm gonna go with Keep my coming. I'm gonna go with my version of the starting five and you tell me which member of this rotation you think is the most important. Because Kenta Maeda's on his way back. Sonny Gray is the vet. Tyler Malley was the acquisition with the shoulder issue. Pablo Lopez is gonna get the Luisa Rice comparison throughout. And then, you know, Joe Ryan was their best pitcher last year. Who's most important of those five?
2: I think I have to go with Malley just because he might have the most upside of that group, but he certainly has the widest range of outcomes, right? I mean, he could be a borderline number one starter, which the Twins really, really need. You know, they've got this mix of sort of two and three guys, which is not bad, but you want a sort of guy that you would trust in a game one playoff scenario. I think Malley could be that, but if the shoulder thing, you know, surfaces once again he could give them almost nothing this year so there's just uh, you know what are you which side of that coin are you going to get it almost feels like an all or nothing thing with him um so far everything is checking out really well he was throwing 94 in his first start uh said he was feeling really good but it's a little hard to take at face value because he never he last year when this was happening he said well uh, nothing hurts or anything like that he sort of seemed mystified no one seemed to know what was going on i think that mystery around his situation is is what creates a lot of that ambiguity and uncertainty but Uh, If you can get back to the level he was pitching at before the Twins acquired him, I think he's going to be a huge, huge factor on this rotation.
0: All right, you said keep him coming, so don't threaten me with a good time. One final question, since I started with the starters, I'm going to close with the closer or closers. Last year it was, where's the opponent at in the batting order? And if it's late, we bring Duran in when the meat of the order is due up. Are we going to do that again, do you think? Or this is going to be Duran gets the night, that's it? I think they will continue to
2: go that way. I think that's a big part of the reason they went and got Jorge Lopez, maybe so they can use him in more of that traditional closer role. Uh, of course, he, like Malley, is another guy who's a bit of a question mark because he didn't pitch very well for the Twins after he came over last year. Um, he pitched the other day, and his velocity was good. He seemed surprised by how good his velocity was, actually. Like, he almost expected it to, to be a little lower. Um, but velocity is not the big question with him. It's more command. You know, can he, can he work over the inside without hitting guys in the elbow? Uh, can he get those, those curveballs to land where he wants him to? You know, I think he was commanding the ball really well uh, in the first half with the Orioles and really poorly after the Twins acquired him. So um, I think he's, he's, he's the X factor in that bullpen to me. You know, as long as Duran is healthy, he's going to be a monster. But they need some guys that can, that can help him out, that can maybe pitch the ninth inning and allow him to pitch earlier in those big spots and, and sort of uh, ease some of the burden that he takes because last year he really had to, he really had to take a lot of it on because there wasn't much, especially in the first half, to help him out.
0: Nick Nelson of Twins Daily, I love the fact that you are one text away for me. Your availability is top-notch. This content is top-notch. Speaking of content, one more time, Twins Daily, where can they find it and what can they find?
2: TwinsDaily.com. We're covering spring training live on site right now, and we'll have all kinds of season preview stuff going on up until the season, and then a uh, great place for conversations. Come come, create an account uh, and start commenting and and even creating some content if you like to.
0: Love that idea. Nick Nelson, you said great place for conversations, conversations with you, second to none. We appreciate it. I'll tell you what, I'm going to hit you up again and again, and uh, happy baseball, man. Spring training's here. The regular stuff will be here shortly. Sounds good. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Nick Nelson of Twins Daily talking baseball. Spring training is here. Everybody loving it. Everybody's excited for the Twins season. But, of course, it is hockey time, basketball time, plenty of high school, college sports. We're going to draw lines around all of it when we come back. Stick around. Back here on the Northland Sports page, another song I like way too much, some Blurred Lines. Normally we do a segment called Drawing Lines, and we will, courtesy of Roll Architecture Studio. He is the OG among our sponsors. But with so much going on in the sports world this time of year in particular, Drawing Lines is one thing. They get a little blurred because no matter what sport you like, we got something for you. So the lines are all over, Dave Cook.
1: Yeah, that's 100% true. We've got uh, some crazy movement in the NHL. We've had some... Real interesting uh, movement in the last month in the NBA, like right. crazy.
0: You can go from 7th to 5th to 12th in three losses.
1: And obviously combine this week, the the baseball season's about to start, but I think the craziest move in the last, well, crazy, it's how, how about impactful is Lindsey Whalen's deal in the series. Right.
0: And again, what happened and will we ever know it? Because the gopher season on the women's side, we've talked about how bad it's been on the men's side. It wasn't much better on the women's side. They went one and done in the Big Ten tournament. A column came out about Lindsay's got to right the ship or she's going to be done soon. Then it turned out that she resigned the next day. There's a lot of mystery of she's a legend in Minnesota lore in sports, specifically in basketball, obviously, but in sport in general. There's a lot of speculation of was she going to get fired and it became a resignation to save face? Was there a disagreement on something that became a rapid resignation? We don't know. Will we ever know?
1: No, I don't. Th- well, maybe, but it'll be a while. You know, here's here's the thing about coaching, and and if this is your first time hearing this, good. And if you've heard it over and over, you say it. Um, great players very very seldom make great coaches
0: because the game came too easy to them.
1: Correct. Ted Williams. They used to say in in uh, Texas. So he was manager for the first ground of the Texas Rangers, and he would be rate hitters because they couldn't tell, tell the difference between a fastball and a slider well kind of the only guy who could ever do that was Ted Williams right and if you look at basketball because obviously
0: with Lindsay you do but you can go to the NBA and say Kevin McHale coached in the NBA he was okay he
1: was okay not great at all and yet he was an effort guy too
0: Larry Bird was kind of the exception of the rule he did a lot of good things but then eventually went front office bound as well Magic Johnson tried it. It didn't
1: work. Yep. Kurt Rambis tried it. Let's not go there. Mike Singletary in the NFL. I mean, guys that the, those top end guys so often struggle as head coaches because, again, they don't understand why the fifth guy on the roster can't do what they could do. And I wonder if Lindsay had players that, I mean, what was her greatest strength?
0: I would say being organized in terms of being an orchestrator on the floor. I would think that, that would echo bit. to being an organized coach and having that extra grit. But, but maybe if, it didn't echo.
1: But maybe it did, and she had players that were missing that. And so she's, they can pass, they can shoot, they're all you know, Miss Minnesota candidates. And when it comes down to it, it's the same problem the Gopher Hockey team had for years, is that they needed the grit grind people, and their coach was a grit grind, but everybody they brought in was talent first.
0: Well, the part that I wondered is, was it the downgrade in level? Because yes, Lindsay's a legendary Gopher, without question. That final four team that did happen on She's the women's side. on the side.
1: Rushmore, in our opinion. Without question.
0: But she spent a lot of time with professionals. And maybe she'd be a great coach for the Lynx. I jokingly said this to you on Thursday, but maybe it's not a joke. Cheryl Reeve's been phenomenal. I get the feeling Cheryl Reeve is phenomenal anywhere she goes. Could they switch at some point? If the Gophers said, hey, Cheryl, we'll give you all the money in the world, this wouldn't happen because she literally runs the Lynx, in my opinion. But would Lindsay be better served to be a WNBA coach? And Cheryl could resonate better with
1: college players. The in, the intensity Cheryl Reeves coach Cheryl Reeves coaches with, um, I don't know if that trans, translate in today's. One way to find out. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt. I just found it interesting the list of coaches that they might be interested in having um, as a new Gopher coach. I mean, it's always interesting to see that um, because you've got all these. Well, the answer is already in the state of South Dakota, but go ahead. Well, but I've heard a lot of things about the Marquette coach. A lot of things about the Marquette coach. Um, And in fact, one of the statements I read it to you said, hey, you know, they're going to probably have to throw more than $150,000 at this person. Well, duh. (laughs) PJ could find $150,000 in his couch cushions. They, uh, they need to pony up for a women's coach, and, and that means let's pay the person.
0: Well, and I think you're running into the same obstacles that the men's side would. How attractive of a job is it? You know, you're looking at it going, they haven't had success in a long time. If they can't even keep their most legendary player happy, who's chomping at the bit to go there? I think it is going to be a bit of a struggle. Speaking of basketball on the girls' side, great playoff action at Hermantown today. Hermantown is the neutral site for seven double-A teams. Marshall, Esco, Proctor, you know, the Pequots, the Crosbys, the cream of the crop in smaller school, Section 7 basketball is all in Hermantown today.
1: Okay, so another place we could have been with the show today then because right. that would have been a lot of fun. I was going to
0: say, we need to do more traveling in March, although we'll be at the state hockey tournament here this week. Again, Wednesday morning at 11, Hermantown will face Laverne in the opening round. Seatings out for state today. Seatings out for boys basketball today. Section 7 Four a, Boy, I could have bumped in with We Are Family because We just saw Easton Andover in hockey. If it goes to chalk, you're going to see it as a section final in basketball on the boys' side too. Andover 1, Duluthies 2, Cambridge 3, Blaine 4, Anoka 5, Forest Lake 6, Centennial 7, Coon Rapids 8. What that means is Rhett McDonald's team is the two seed. His father's team in Cambridge is the three. By chalk, that's a semi. Rhett's younger brother Kyle coaches Forest Lake. He's at six. He plays his dad in round one.
1: Wow! Yeah, no doubt. The bragging rights. You know, who I
0: don't want to be as Kaylee.
1: Kaylee is his <laughs> daughter, Mike's daughter. Uh, the uh, the bragging rights are going to be pretty intense in the McDonald family. Eh? Um, I, I just think that um, you know basketball up here is so many hockey guys that um, this basketball tournament the whole run really sometimes gets short shrifted up here. Right, and it it shouldn't. Here's a question for you on the Gophers. we just talked about high school is in women's basketball would it be worthwhile bringing in top end uh, high school coaches in order to in order to recruit or or is it more the AAU guys you bring in to recruit and have yourself a wow. head coach who gets it
0: you know i'm not the right guy to ask that question you know if we could do the bat symbol for cj who has a game very shortly yep. or Diami starks i think they would give you a tremendous answer to that question I'm not equipped to do that, but I think the value of that question is immense.
1: Yeah, I, I do too, because that was always the thing about Ben Johnson. He was bringing in the the old coach right. from um, um, from uh, Cretan. No, not Cretan. What's the the other basketball power that's down there that we know? De LaSalle. Um, he was bringing that guy in because he had so many contacts in the state um, as far as head coaches in, in high school. And so we haven't really seen that pay off yet. Right. But, um, you know, those coaching recruiters are coaching, yes, recruiting coordinators. Sorry, Brian, again, my brain. The recruiting coordinators are the such a The problem is, big I keep deal. asking you to use it. I know it's hurting, and I keep asking you to use it. Um, the the recruiting coordinators is such a big, big deal in big time college athletes, athletics, that um, you wonder if Lindsay just was trying to recruit on Lindsay and didn't have somebody to really go get him.
0: And we'll see what happens with that women's basketball affair, if you will for minnesota they'll without a coach at least for the time being they'll be without a coach but again we'll see what attractiveness that job can offer money talks you mentioned it if you pay the right price people will come it is a power five conference it just hasn't been a very powerful program powerful programs again in northeastern minnesota at the high school level congratulations to cloquet they're into the section final on the girls side they'll take on grand rapids which for me is the best team i've seen
1: yeah that rapids team apparently is is all that and i would love to see see that game because that i mean when you get when you get teams that are that good we saw it with andover the other day you can enjoy the talent on the opposing team right and to, and to see that would be fun
0: and another talented girls basketball team whose season ended was superior over in wisconsin and when their season ended a coaching reign ended too dave conney hangs it up he had coached girls basketball for just short of two decades but he was a boys coach before that. He put just about four decades into coaching. That's a run.
1: Isn't it? Isn't it something? I was telling you a story earlier today about the impact that, that teachers, in in my case, but in this case, coaches, can have not just on a sport, but on kids' lives, right? The And it might not be something that they do regularly. In fact, it might not be something they even know about. Um, but when you have that kind of time into something, when you have 40 years as a basketball coach, The number of people, a number of kids and now people that you've influenced, you know, even if it is just, and I always tell you, Brian, I don't want to change people. I want to nudge people. Right. Even if the people that you've nudged have had one thing that they can take from something you've said, you've won. And, and Connie has dealt with so many kids. How many times do you think that a person that he's worked with is just a better human being because of him? It's got to be
0: an astronomical amount of times because just the longevity, again, Turning 44, I can't fathom influencing people for almost four decades, (laughs) right? Because, you know, I look at it as I've been in public address for 17 years, which means you've got players who you announced for who are now in their 30s with families of their own. And that's eye-opening enough. When you've done it for 40 years, you may have players that could be ready to be grandparents. And that's just a different story altogether. So shout out to Dave Conney for that. I think we've covered almost everything you mentioned for the Gophers earlier in the show. Osama, Isaac Osama, who I called Asuma before I got to watch him play this year, mainly because I went to Leicester Park with a family full of Asumas. So you made an Asuma. But it is Osama. I got I got corrected before I took to the mic, which is good. And Osama is a good way to pronounce his name because you watch him and his brothers play for Cherry.
1: They're awesome. I think it's fantastic that another ranger is going down to the cities to, be, to not just be... Um, the token Minnesota kid, but actually go down to make a difference in a program. Like Ben Johnson doesn't have space on that roster to bring in a token player anywhere. Right. right? I mean, they're not great. He needs a roster full of rock stars and he focused on uh, the young man as, as the city's people won't say cherry, the young man from the iron range uh, because apparently North of uh, 694, right. It's all woods and then mining. Right. Uh, and so they, uh, they got him. And so let's see him go down and make a difference.
0: So Isaac Osama has done some awesome work. We did a lot of work trying to summarize everything that's going on in sports. Can you do it in about 30 seconds? Reason to go to Mars again tonight.
1: Oh my gosh. Augsburg's in town. They are the number two seed in the Mayak tournament because Skalaska is the number one seed. We're at Mars at seven o'clock tonight. Um, It is, if you're any kind of hockey fan or great atmosphere fan, head on over. They're bussing kids in. Apparently Augsburg's bringing a bus of kids up. I mean, the atmosphere should be crazy. So if you're if you're looking for something to do tonight, Mars Lakeview at 7 for the MIAC Hockey Championship.
0: And if for nothing else, go to hear Dave Cook on a mic. It is an experience. We got one more segment to do that here, of course. Greg Aker, assistant coach for Hermantown Hockey. They're back at the state tournament. He joins us to close the show. Stick around. We'll be right back. We are all friends here. Thanks, Brittany. Brian Prudhomme, Dave <laughs> Cook. We're back on the Northland Sports page. little Oops, I Did It Again. Could be a fun theme song for the Hermantown Hawks because... They've certainly dealt with some comments they shouldn't have, but they've certainly been celebrated as well because their dominant run continues. They're back at the state tournament starting Wednesday morning, opening the tournament 11 a.m. against Laverne.
1: Yeah. It, dominant run is right, Brian, but they had to earn it through their, yes. uh, through their section this year. And so when the, we decided music, oops, I did it again was there because gosh, you know what? The games weren't 12 to one anymore. All of a sudden they were tight and physical and fast and oops, oops, Hermantown did it again
0: they certainly did grinding through section 7a joining us Hermantown assistant Greg Aker fresh out of practice this morning good morning to you Greg and how were the boys this morning
3: ah uh, good morning fella thanks for having me on um yeah just uh, just good to get out there on a Saturday pretty quick skate today normally practices are about an hour and a half but it was just uh just a quick hour did some special team stuff and got the legs moving but uh getting better as it goes with Wednesday approaching quickly
0: so let's talk about the section playoffs that Dave mentioned. It was a much more difficult task to get through. <laughs> all in all, the semifinal game was probably the better game, if you will. Rockridge played well, but were you a little bit surprised at what Hibbing did because they tried to provide a blueprint defensively of how to slow you guys down?
3: Yeah, um, the you know I kind of I kind of tell the guys it's um, it's not a bad thing to be battle tested. Um, you kind of mentioned it. You know, before you introduced me on that, uh, you know, the last few years, it's not that it's been easy, but uh, the scores have been lopsided. And it's almost, not to say that doubt creeps in 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 tight games, but it's almost to the expectation that, you know, these games, you know, at at times shouldn't be competitive. When I I really think Section 7, when teams play the way they can, uh, you know, you saw it on Monday and then you saw it again on Wednesday. If teams hang around, all of a sudden then it's like, you got to buckle up, and here we go. Um, you know, as far as Hibbing was concerned, they had a good game plan. Uh, tried to trap the neutral zone a little bit, uh, keep shots to the outside. You get decent goaltender play, and you know you're a, you're a bounce away from being on the losing side of one of those. So, um, was definitely feeling the pressure of those moments, no doubt. And then Rockridge kind of mimicked that um, on Wednesday. So, two two close games, and you know, I try to tell people that those are the best things for us moving forward. Um, just because you're in those situations where. Again, um, you really have to battle it out.
0: You gave the right term using battle-tested. i got to talk about a guy who got you through those battles. We all know about Kate Kahansky Dallas View, George Peterson. The list goes on and on. But a gentleman by the name of Aaron Evian, I'm going to tell you this, Greg Aker, the number one thing I knew about him is he's the guy on your roster that I have to have somebody repeat the pronunciation because of the spelling over and over again. But Aaron Evian, I said there's there's no Section 7 all-tournament team, but if there was, it starts with him. What got into him?
3: Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up. You know, so I I talk to Aaron quite a bit. Um, He cadets for me uh, later in the afternoon every day on a school day. So uh, we've got some pretty good candid conversations. You know, I like to to get a player's perspective every once in a while on what's going on in the locker room and whatnot. And um, a kid that you really cheer for, I want to say, don't quote me on this, but I want to say maybe five regular season goals heading into Uh, section play and uh, you know it's it's always one or two guys that need to step up that aren't normally depended on to be your top guys and uh, he was just that you know three goals in the last two games and obviously uh, the game winner on Monday and the early one on uh, on Wednesday so we've had conversations you know I've I've been asking him not to get into this you'll probably ask about it but um, we've, we've been off in a sense the last three weeks or so kind of battling sicknesses practices haven't been at full strength and Uh, We really like to to push the tempo, and we've kind of been, you know, Coach Andrews is playing that delicate balance of how far do we push these guys with guys in and out in regards to health. And, um, you know, I've been asking him um, from the player's perspective, you know, are you guys, you know, kind of aware of that? Do you talk about it? Um, And then we get into the conversations of, you know, it's going to be guys that step up. And, you know, we've got 10 seniors, probably one of the older teams in Hermantown history. And uh, and he knows that uh, it's guys like him that, that have to shine in those moments. So I was really happy for him. Great kid.
1: Greg, we, you are leading right into something that Brian and I have talked about a lot, and you've heard us talk about it, and that is we have, because of because we've been spoiled, right, and we've seen the program for a long, long time, we actually have an idea what the phrase Hermantown Hockey looks like. And most of the year we've been a little taken aback, as you kind of said, a little perimeter uh, and one of the guys who we championed last year as being one of the men was Dallas View. And Penn State agreed with us and all that. And this year, it's been a little different. But boy, oh boy, against Rock Ridge in the third period, did your best, did one of your best players really step up and make a difference?
3: Yeah, uh funny that you say that you know coming out of the locker room so you trim down the bench come playoff time so uh coach Longquist and myself you know we, we had a and, and coach Swanson we've got a different perspective kind of watching from the from the seats and we go down in between periods and you know try to give you know a little little jump to the guys or whatever as they're leaving the locker room and and that's one of the things we said to Dally you know it's it's this is when you have to take over you know a kid like you with your skill set you know these are the games that that you need to take over and, and you hit it right on the head. The third period was nine and day difference between uh, period one and two for him. Um, you know when that skill set shines and when he's feeling good and, and making the right plays with that skill set it's it's really fun to watch. He's a very talented kid.
0: Certainly is there's a lot of good forwards on this team, but I think again and Pat Andrews went out of his way to draw attention to this a year ago, but I think again the strength of this team is in its decor. And some of it has been the jumps that players have made from a year ago. You know, George Peterson we knew about. I mentioned that. Esther Brooks, to me, the difference between last year and this year is pretty phenomenal. Henry Peterson being healthy is a nice break. Drew Nelson's been very, very good. Nolan Barker, to me, from this year to last, it's uncanny. Can you talk about the jump there? Uh,
3: With Barker specifically? Yes. Uh, Yeah, Nolan – Another great example, and, you, and you, you hit it on the head again with just, just the overall strength of our decor. Um, you know, you, you play against top forwards on other teams throughout the year, and, and not that you take it for granted, but, you know, all of a sudden you're on the winning end of a hockey game where, you know, the opposing team scores two or three goals and you're realistically thinking, you know, these are the top forwards in the state of Minnesota uh, that you're playing against, and, you know, some other teams defensively is... Um, you know, it's one, it's, it's one of those things that um, I guess from the back end you, you come to expect just because they have been so rock steady, Nolan specifically. Um, when he plays with confidence, he's a big, strong kid. Uh, Coach Lundquist and I were talking at practice today when we were doing power play stuff. You know, he hits, you know, one-time shots as good as anybody that we've seen in high school. He's just a big, strong kid, and when he's playing with confidence um, – He's one of those kind of shut-down D-men because of his size and strength. And, uh, again, one of those kids, one of the nicest kids you'll ever meet, very soft-spoken, always uplifting, tries to pick his teammates up. And at times we don't always have that vocal leadership piece. You know, guys tend to lead by example. But Barks is one of those guys that um, he's not hesitant to, to tell a teammate um, that they're doing a good job, and that's awesome because he's a, another example of a, of a really nice kid. But, yeah, a lot of guys have, you know, jumped into roles that, you know, maybe they didn't expect, uh, you know, the elephant in the room, obviously, is the three guys leaving early and all of a sudden, you know, you just have to fill that vacuum and guys have done it, um, you know, and we, we try to stress that and Coach Andrews tries to stress to these guys that, you know, overall, the overall body of work, you know, coming into the season, thinking this team, you know, going into the state tournament at, I think we're 25-2-1, and um, you know, it just speaks to what everyone has done throughout the year and and guys have assumed roles that, that they weren't used to and they've excelled in them. So proud of the guys for sure.
0: I don't think there's any question about that. There's plenty of reason to be proud of these guys. I'm going to give you one more that to me made a jump maybe from one year to the next, or maybe even from two years ago because Sam Swenson for me made one of the pivotal plays to set up that first goal of the section final. And the only reason I knew who Sam Swenson was going into the recent seasons was Nobody wants to talk about the COVID year where you played Dodge County with, you know, basically a junior varsity team. But even in that game, you know, we know how good Zam was trying to take a team on his back in that game. But his cohort is Batman and Robin. The Robin, if you will, for me was Sam Swenson. Now we're seeing it. What do you make of his game?
3: Yeah, Sweners, um, he's, he's got very effortless speed. And I think that takes a lot of uh, opponents by surprise. He's just got an effortless stride. Uh, one of the fastest players on our team, probably not named Carlson for sure. I would put Swenson right up there with uh, with that speed. And um, I was talking with Aaron Evian back to him for just a second. Him and Sam have been on the same team. They told me seven years in a row. Wow. Um, so you're starting to yeah you're starting to see that continuity kind of come out, and you see it in practice too. Like those two are really feeling it. And when you get into a state tournament, when you feel like you have a team that's probably got a little bit more depth than some of the opponents that you're playing. Those two specifically slotted on that third line can make a huge difference. And, um, you know, Swenner's one of those guys playing with confidence. He's another example of a guy that was kind of battling sickness Monday and Wednesday. Uh, But you can tell, um, you know, collectively him and Aaron are are probably playing their best hockey and, and, um, you know, they're very comfortable with each other and they they can create uh, matchup, you know mismatches for sure being our being our third guys
0: yeah they have definitely created problems for opponents no time like the present to play your best hockey the present for Hermantown is a state tournament Wednesday morning Hermantown versus Laverne 11 a.m we'll have it for you I'll be on the call John Carlson will be with me Dave Cook will be hoping for a victory so he can join us on Friday in the semis we can look ahead you guys can Dave cook you've got questions
1: actually I think John Carlson is has uh, sent this one uh, to me via you know mental telepathy. Um, you have Greg, you have one of the greatest advantages in northeastern Minnesota and that is you don't have one goalie and then a guy you can throw in. But you have goalie yep. A and you have goalie A. Tell us about uh the goalie tandem, how you maybe utilize that in a playoff like uh we've had so far, and tell us a little bit about Callaway and Upsall.
3: Yeah, uh you know, arguably probably the best tandem in the state, uh not only not only numbers wise, but um... You know, away from the numbers, just skill set wise, like you say, it's 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 a one A and a one B. You know, and Coach Andrews could probably speak better to the decision making on that end. But um, you know, I think playoff stretches and into state tournaments uh, probably uh, pretty uncommon, probably to rotate uh, goaltenders. You know, down the stretch. Um, You know, but but either of them, if uh, if given the nod, would be comfortable doing it. But. They just, you know, Dane specifically on Wednesday um, just kind of made this comment to uh, to Coach Lundquist that he just has this tendency to slow down play and kind of instill kind of that relaxed feel if, if a team's starting to push. Um, you know, he would cover pucks, he would end line rushes, and he just kind of plays with such confidence, but at the same time it's it's just his casualness to his game, and, 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 you know, you won't find a, a better competitor between those two, uh, pushing each other competitively, and then, you know, it, it showcases, you know, for all three periods that it's just, it you never panic with the guy back there. You know, I, uh, they had a breakaway, I can't remember what period it was, second period maybe, um, and he just stood his paint and smothered the puck, and it, it's like he didn't even worry about it. Um, and that's one of the things of, of having a confident goaltender. And like you say, it's, God forbid, something gets hurt, to, you know, if something happens to one of them, it's, it's, there's zero lack of confidence in either. So it's, it's, um, it's obviously a benefit for the program, no doubt.
0: Certainly is. Meanwhile, we're talking with Greg Aker, the assistant coach for Hermantown Hockey. Hermantown again to the state tournament Wednesday morning. They will take on Laverne. Greg, when you and I talked yesterday morning, you were guessing, and nice work, Nostradamus, you said Alexandria or Laverne, And I said, so the Cardinals, because we've got multiple Cardinals in the tournament. Question is, what do we know about Laverne? What do we need to know going into Wednesday?
3: Yeah, great question. So, um, yeah, we got the seedings about, gosh, I don't know, 10 o'clock this morning. I shot you a text over with how it kind of played out. Um, Hermantown and Laverne, uh, just to to start, kind of have a little history. Played them in the quarters a few times. If you remember back to uh, Watkins' year, I was a fan in the stands, and that game went to overtime in the quarters. Um that would have been twenty seventeen ballpark anyway. So we've got a little history with them. Um I do have a friend that coaches with New Ulm, who was the one seed in that section. Laverne ended up beating them. Uh they've got a couple high end forwards with uh with good skill set and good speed. Um it sounds like depth wise like we've talked about, uh we might have a little advantage, it seems like uh uh when it hits the fan they usually trim down to two lines. And, uh, and that would be something we could take advantage of obviously but um, you know it's it's it kind of kind of takes me back to uh, to last week with Monday and Wednesday you know it's it's I don't expect I don't expect a walk away uh, by any means it's on eight teams and it's the state tournament and the lights are bright and you don't know how some guys are going to react right we talked about guys in, in these different roles well they haven't been in these roles on uh, uh, on the excise in, in March, you know, so it's, it, at the same time, it's, it's, I am I'm excited. Um, and it's exciting for the guys. I know they had a team meeting that I ran out on right after practice. I'm driving over to Glen Avon to watch my kids play hockey outside here, but, um, the kids are, are super excited. Um, you know, you guys know being Minnesota guys, it's the greatest show on, on earth in my mind, in, in regards to high school sports and, uh, specific to Minnesota. It's it's unlike anything else. So the excitement's really, really high. It's just we really hope to be playing our best hockey um, over the course of the next week here. we got to get back to kind of what we're used to. So
0: Absolutely. I hope you guys will be at your best. We're glad you're there. We're glad that you're there because we get to be there. I will see you down at state. We'll have the game on these airwaves on Wednesday morning. Enjoy the outdoor game watching your kid today. And thanks for the time, as always. I know, like so many, you're always a text away, and I appreciate that about you, my friend.
3: Yep, I appreciate you guys having me on. No problem. I'll, uh, Absolutely. I'll make sure to look you guys up, too, when you're down there. Shoot me a holler. We'll meet up.
0: Yeah, please do, because you have the guest trifecta now. You've been <laughs> on a show at Hoops in person. You've been on a show by yep. phone, and you've been a trivia contestant. There's nothing that you can't do for us. We love it. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> All right, that's my guy, Greg Aker. Good luck. We'll Thanks, see you Greg. on Wednesday. Good luck. Thanks, fellas. We'll talk to you. Absolutely. That is Greg Aker on behalf of Pat Andrews and the entire coaching staff at Hermantown they're pretty jacked rightfully so
1: they are because again i was surprised to hear 25 2 and 1 right because we've really said this is not the same kind of hermantown team we've seen in the past but the record is
0: i was going to say the ingredients might be different but the end result is about the same they're back at state wednesday morning that's when we'll talk to you next it was a fun show today dave cook have fun at mars pack
1: the planet tonight yeah pack the planet tonight let's see you tonight this is this is a big deal in town
0: everything's a big deal. It's March Madness. Pick a sport. We've got it for you. We are the Northland Sports Page. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.